Heavenly Father, as we get into your word, Lord, we just thank you for this building. We thank you for the electricity. We just thank you for the people. We thank you for the opportunity to be used by you here in Myanmar, Lord. It's just amazing, Lord, that we can even be a part of the work that you're doing here, Lord. As we dig into your word, Lord, let it just encourage us, Lord. Let it strengthen us, Lord. Let it just provoke us to go outside these doors, Lord, and witness to those who, who are practicing this festival, splashing water to wash one's uh, previous doings off, Lord, that we would be able to communicate with them and talk to them and share with them, Lord. It is only by the blood of Jesus that this can be done, that their sins can be washed away. Lord, they would be able to hear that truth and recognize that truth, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we just ask for your Holy Spirit just to speak to us all today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. Now, interesting, I don't know if you guys realize, today is Palm Sunday. All these other festivals going on around here is really kind of taken away from that, hasn't it? Everybody's so worried about the water festival, not realizing this is the day that our Lord triumphantly entered Jerusalem for the last time. It's amazing. Now, next Friday is Good Friday. This is the day that Jesus allowed himself to be placed on the cross. And then Sunday, of course, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, we often call it. So there's so many different things going on this week. Yet here in Myanmar, it's kind of about the water festival. So I think we need to step back and remember what this week, what we should be celebrating this week. And it's amazing to me that if you look at it, the calendar, these days coincide exactly the same as water festival. That's not a coincidence, is it? really not a coincidence, that they would have some false pagan belief that the washing of water would cleanse you of your bad deeds on the same exact day that Jesus died to pay that price for your sin. Jesus, Satan's trying to steal that away. That's what it is, pure and simple. So, I don't know. This week is Holy Week, they consider it some. If you look back also, you know, it's not just Water Festival this week, it's also Passover week. If you look back in Exodus 12, you can see, you can see how that this very same day also is when that sacrificial lamb, the blood was spread over the door path, doorpost, and then the death angel came through and he killed the firstborn in Egypt, but he freed the faithful people, God's people, and set them free and released them from their bondage that they were in, and allowed them to proceed to the promised land. Amazing. All the way from that Passover lamb to Jesus to us today. Amazing. Amazing. So this, this week, I just ask that you please, please, please take some time out this week. I know you're here. It's great. Take some time this week. Thank Jesus for what he did. Reflect on that. Read in your Bibles. Read this story of what he did. Uh, we're going to get into a sermon. We're going to have Easter Sunday, of course. But take some personal time and reflect on that this week. This, isn't, this is a very special week. Very, very special week. So just in your personal time, open your Bibles up and read these stories that are, you know, happened this week. Read about Jesus coming out of the house. It was interesting, Jade was at our staying with us this weekend because of the water festival. And we were looking at different movies we could watch with Jade, but we were hoping we could find one with Chinese subtitles. And the only one Vicky could find was The Passion. So Jade got to watch The Passion last night, a very, very powerful movie. And it's just a reminder, as we as Christians, we've been Christians a long time, Sometimes you watch that movie, it just opens that back up to you, and you start realizing and feeling the emotions of what happened. And, you know, we go through week by week, and Easter after Easter, sometimes it kind of gets, I don't know, we just get a little bit immune. Let's take that week and really recognize and thank Jesus for what he did this week. Now, 
Each week as we get into this, we're, we're really walking side by side with Jesus, right? Side by side with the disciples as we learn all these different lessons. We're going right through the book of Luke right now. Last week we learned about two men, right? The rich man and the poor man. We learned how they both died. But we also learned how they had two very different destinations. Many of you are familiar with the story, but if you weren't here. Now hopefully as you can think about that lesson this week, I hope you would have reflected on that. Come to that realization that there is a point when all will die. And once that happens, there's no turning back. There's no more choices. There's no crossing over. And just to remember that we are accountable for our actions here on earth. We are accountable for the resources that God has given us here on earth. What we do with the things that we're blessed for, we will have to give account one day. And understand that as we go out and share the gospel, as we go out hopefully into this water festival on these different occasions and share with people that it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses you from your sin, to remember that you never know. You never know when that day may come for them. So let's turn to Luke, Luke chapter 17. We're going to go through the first just 10 verses today. And as we go through this, I just, I, I put this title on this. A warning, forgiveness, faith, and duty. It's interesting. 10 verses, 4 lessons. It's a lot here. So let's look at verse 1 to start. First, Luke chapter 17. One day Jesus said to the disciples, There will always be temptations to sin. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? Now, as we start to look at this first verse and this section of scripture, we really got to break it down. We got to start by asking some questions. First question we're going to ask and we're going to address is who is this teaching directed to? Think about these questions. What are these temptations that are mentioned in this passage? What is sin that's mentioned in this passage? What is sorrow? Who is this person mentioned that is doing the tempting of sin? Who is that person? What is that person tempting another person to do? The last question we need to look at, why did Jesus choose to teach on this? Then, I guess, one more. Who is Jesus teaching to? Look at the passage. Who is Jesus teaching to? What do you see? Jesus teaching to the disciples, right? says right there. A disciple of Jesus, who is that? It's anyone who follows Jesus. Any student of Jesus. So that's all of us, isn't it? We're all disciples of Jesus. So who's this lesson to? It's to all of us. We'll just start there. Now, temptations. We're going to start answering this question. What are these temptations that are spoken of? What is this sin? temptations to sin that's mentioned here? We can, why, why is there always temptations? Why does it say there will always be temptations here? Well, we can go clear back to Genesis if we want to answer that question, really. We've got to go to Adam and Eve. And we can see that sin was brought into this world. So because of that, we do live in a fallen world. And because of that, there always will be sin, sin and temptation in this world. As long as we're here, that's what we have. It's a fallen world. Now, what is sin? Many of you have heard, I'm sure, this. Sin is an offense to God. It's what separates us from God. It's, now, sin 
these temptations, they can be placed as stumbling blocks to others, especially in this case to new believers. Now, these also could be, these temptations could be bad doctrine. It's not just, you know, you think of sin, you think, you know, lying, stealing, and lust, and all these things. You know, also speaking here, I think you need to put in context, this could be bad doctrine also. Because there's a lot of that that does happen. It's basically, any of these temptations is anything, or these stumbling blocks, is anything that could lead a person into sin. Which sin is separation from God. It could be through TV, the things you watch. It could be through books. It could be through Facebook, even the things you see there. It could even be through some of your friends or even through your family at times. It could be through school. There's temptations all throughout our entire lives. I could make a list and I could go on and on and on. But Satan has lots of tools and lots of resources that he will use to put temptations in our lives. Many different ways. You know... Even to a point that you could say temptations that we would fall away from our faith because maybe we're being ridiculed for being a Christian. Now, what this is really talking about here is that temptations to lead a new believer away from Christ. These little ones. And if you see this here, the result of this is severe, isn't it? Jesus is addressing us here. So we have to be so careful. Think about this. Now, why did Jesus feel he needed to warn us? Why is Jesus teaching on this? Now, as Jesus is teaching, there was others out there, wasn't there? There was the Pharisees. There was the religious leaders of the day. There's others that had a different doctrine that did not believe in who Jesus was. And these would go and speak to these new believers, these new converts, and tell them that Jesus was not who he said he was. And I believe this is why Jesus is addressing this problem here. To address those that would try to stumble a new believer. Let's go to verse 2. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. That's a pretty stern warning. Be better to die a horrific death than to stumble a new believer. That's pretty serious. Jesus is living, leaving us, telling us this picture. You can create this in your mind, reminding us of the severity of this offense to him. Now, remember, too, when we're talking about stumbling a new believer, it's not always intentional, is it? I don't think many of us would purposely do that. But our actions, even though not directed towards a new person, still could stumble a new believer. We have to be so careful about that. Now, remember, God, who's God? Creator of all things creator of time, outside of time, the one that has always been, he's specifically saying this is offensive to him. This is a huge offense. He's saying it's better for you to tie a huge rock around your neck and jump in the ocean 
than do this here. This is serious. Serious warning. Let's look at verse 3. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then, if there's repentance, forgive. Jesus continues just by saying, watch yourself. It's all, all of us. Be careful of this. In all that we do, all of our actions, we have to be so careful. It's such a huge warning. Now, he's continuing here, right? He's continuing, after he just warned us, he's continuing to instruct us about forgiveness. So there's four lessons here. Now, this is going to happen to all of us. It says, if another believer sins, rebuke that person. This is not something any of us want to deal with. Uh, most of us, anyways. I mean, nobody wants to do this, right? Nobody wants to rebuke someone. I don't want to do that, usually. Uh, but this is something all of us, at some point, it's going to happen. Someone is going to sin against us or offend us, or maybe they're living a life of sin that we need to confront. It's going to happen. We, 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 we as Christians, we're going to encounter this at some point. So what, what's your reaction? How do you deal with this? Someone that has sinned against you, offended you, or maybe living a life of sin. How do you deal with that? I'll tell you, first thing is there definitely should be a difference between us and the world and how they address sin, how they address another person that's offended you. There should be a difference. Now, here's a secret. We just talked about maybe we need to rebuke someone, right? You know what? Sometimes we're going to be that person. We're going to be the one that needs rebuking. So remember that as we look at, look at this. Because, you know, we're all like, oh, that person did that, that person did that. You know what? We're going to be that on the other side at some point in our life. I guarantee I'm going to be that person that needs someone to talk to me about something maybe I'm doing. Or maybe I said something to one of you that's offensive to you. Maybe not even intentional, but it can happen. How would you address that? How would you address another believer in Christ? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at this real quick. Matthew 18, 15 through 21. If another believer sins against you, go, look at that word, privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again. So everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. If he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt corrupt tax collector. These are instructions. How to deal with someone who has sinned against you. Now, It's great. There's instructions. But I think I'm going to add to this, and I believe it is biblical what I'm going to add to this. I want you to ask some questions to yourself. Maybe you can think of someone now that's sinned against you. Before you go to that person privately and confront them, I want you to ask some questions. What's the first question you should ask? Do you love that person? Why are you doing this? Why are you rebuking them? Why are you addressing them? Do you love that person? 
Because if you don't love that person, I don't think you should be rebuking them. I think you should leave that up to someone else that probably loves that person, right? What's another question you probably should ask yourself before you go and address someone privately? Are you willing, you better really ask this question, are you willing to forgive that person? Because if you go address them, are you willing to accept their repentance? Are you willing to forgive that person? Another question, what is your point in addressing that person? What is your purpose? Is it restoration for that person in their life? Say they're, they're, there's a sin in their life. Maybe that sin wasn't against you, but there's sin in their life. Why are you addressing that to them? Is it because you love them? Is it because you want to see restoration in their life? Or is it because you just want to point out that sin in their life? So before you ever address someone or rebuke someone, you need to go through and ask yourself some questions. And these are some of the questions. I think there's probably some more that maybe I'm not mentioning. But I just want to touch on that because I also know that forgiveness is hard. When someone has sinned against you or your family, it's hard. Are you, do you know what forgiveness truly means? What it truly means to forgive? Because I asked, you better be willing to forgive them before you rebuke them. What example do we have of forgiveness? What's that look like for us as Christians? Let's turn to... Colossians 2.14. Forgiveness. Colossians 2.14. Are you willing, before you go to that person, verse 14, he canceled the record of the charges against us and he took away took it away by nailing it on the cross. That's the kind of forgiveness that we need to have. So before you go to someone, are you ready to counsel that out in your mind? Now remember, love is the overall rule to any of this. Now, what is love here in this? You know, love doesn't go to others and talk about that sin in that person's life. But also love, if you love that person, you're not going to keep that bottled up inside of you and have resentment. You're going to address that person, but you're going to address them in, in love, in, uh, with a heart of restoration and a heart of forgiveness. Let's look at Ephesians 4.15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is ahead of his body, the church. To love is to forgive. To forgive is also to show the love of Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Luke. Luke 17, verse 4. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. We just went over all these instructions for forgiveness, but then Jesus just kind of like added to this teaching, didn't he? Can you do this? Are you capable to do this? 
Do you notice that the emphasis here was on forgiving, not rebuke? Now, I personally know I need to be reminded to forgive. I usually don't need any reminding to point another person's faults out. I'm pretty good at that, unfortunately. But I do definitely need to be reminded to forgive. Can you do this like here, like Jesus did? Can you forgive like this? Are you capable? Over and over again. If you wronged me seven times in one day, could I forgive you each and every time? I tell you, I probably wouldn't believe you were too sincere if you did that to me. But Jesus' instruction is very clear, isn't it? You must forgive. Why is that? Let's, look to, let's go to Mark chapter 11. Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 11. Why do we need to forgive? Important. Very important. Verses, verse 25. But when... You are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. That's a difficult scripture. It's so important that we forgive. But maybe there's some of you that are thinking of a certain person in your life. Maybe some of you are like, well, you don't understand what that person did to me. Or you don't understand what that person did to my family. I can't forgive them. I'm unable to forgive them. It's very possible. There's a lot of people that's hurt me. It's so important that we forgive. But you know what? We can't do this on our own. I've been talking about this to be able to forgive seven times, to be able to forgive like it didn't happen, to nail that on the cross. We can't do it. I cannot do it. I am not capable to do that on my own. Let's look at verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Now, Jesus has been teaching, right? He's been teaching what it is to be a disciple, what it is to be a servant of God. And forgiveness is critical in this. Now, the apostles, they got some wisdom here. We're kind of bashing on them a lot. They say some things, but they got this one right. They knew that this kind of forgiveness that Jesus is asking us to do can only come through our faith in Christ, in in God. Now, maybe they were thinking, like, maybe I wouldn't. If I had to think of a certain person, I'd go, Lord, help me. I can't forgive this person. I can't let this go. Show me. Show me how I can do this. What kind of faith would you need to forgive like Jesus did? You think about, is it the amount of faith that you have? Can you say that maybe you'd like to have, if I had more faith, if I could just gain more faith, I could forgive? Maybe it's your genuineness of your faith. Is that what allows you to forgive someone? What kind of faith allows you to forgive the same way that Jesus has called us to do in the same way he did? 
How do you, can you generate that kind of faith? Can you make it? How do you, how do you increase your faith so you have the ability to forgive like this is required? I mean, I read this and I say, I want to forgive like that. I want to be able to do that. To be able to forgive someone, you know, is over and over again. How can we do that? How can you forgive someone that has hurt you so deeply and so badly? Let's go to 1 Corinthians. First, First Corinthians 12. We're going to just look at some specific verses here. First Corinthians 12. Verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities that the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Now we're just going to skip up to 12. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. Look at verse 9. The same Spirit gives great faith. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Now look at 11. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Faith is a gift from the Lord. It is a gift. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. We, if we want to have the kind of faith that is required to forgive, it's through faith, but it's through faith that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Now, as, let's see, as we learn that, let's see what Jesus is gonna, how he's going to respond to the apostles. Look at verse 6. The Lord answered. Because they just asked. Remember, they said, show us how to increase our faith. So the Lord answered. If you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea. And it would obey you. The faith that's required to forgive, like it's asked here, is to be real. Is to be genuine. Your faith is to be alive. Is to be growing. It's not necessarily size, but one of the most important things is where you place that faith also. It's to be placed in God. And in time, we see it is God who increase your faith. It is God who allow you to have that kind of faith to forgive another. Now, as, it, as your faith grows, what's it? it should lead you in a certain direction. It should lead you to complete trust in God. As you, your faith grows, you will learn and you will be able to forgive because you trust God. Now, this is really humility, isn't it? If you truly have faith and put it in God and trust Him, it's then that you will be able to forgive others this way. Look at verses 7 and 9. When a servant comes home from plowing or taking care of the sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he has been told to do? 
Of course not. Interesting. Jesus kind of shifts gears here. He changes it up a little bit. And he, now he's kind of addressing our hearts, our hearts for him. Jesus' instruction here is obvious. We cannot be prideful. Many of us have been blessed, but what do we do with them blessings? To realize that it is our duty and privilege to serve the Lord. Now think about that. What does it mean to be our duty to serve the Lord? I mean, you see this, talking about the servant and the master. Think about this. Anything we could ever do for God, what is anything you could ever do for him? What would it be like? True, you can do a lot, but what would it be? It would be like a drop in the ocean for what he's done for us. Anything we can do is a mere drop in the ocean for what he's done for each and every one of us. Just get your mind around that. It's, and he's already done that for us. It's not what he's going to do, for what he's already done for us. The lesson Jesus is showing us here, it is our duty to serve the Lord. Let's look at verse 10. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. What is our duty? I said it's our duty, right, to serve the Lord? The scripture is clear. What does that mean, though? Let's look at the last scripture here before we go. 1 Corinthians. Let's turn right a few chapters here. 1 Corinthians, Romans, 2 Corinthians, too far. 1 Corinthians 9.16. What is your duty? What is your duty to God? 1 Corinthians 9.16. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. Our duty is to share the gospel. Not to be looking for glory. Not to be looking for thanks. Not to look for other people's approval for what we're doing. But just to simply serve Jesus. Now, as I close here, I want us to remember our conduct, the way we live our lives, will either lead people to Jesus or it's going to lead people away from Jesus. What does our conduct look like? Could our conduct, our actions, what would a new believer or a person that is considering Jesus see in our actions, in our conduct. Would we, anything in our lives, would it be stumbling to a new believer? Take a little inventory and think about that. Remember, too, we talked about forgiveness. Remember that God has forgiven you far more. Remember this. God has forgiven you for far more than any person would ever sin against you. Think about that. I read that, and I was... There's, there's no one that has done anything even close to what God has already forgiven me for. Did you see the fa- four main points as we went through that scripture? First one. We must 
restrain from stumbling another. If there's anything in our lives that could stumble another, we need to look at that. The second point, we must be willing to forgive. We can only do that through faith. That's the third point. We must know that we cannot do this without faith. The last point, it was duty. We must understand our duty to God and maintain a servant's heart always. Now, as I was studying, and I was thinking about this servant's heart, that last point, how do you have that servant's heart that he was talking about there? How do you deal with praises of others? Maybe it's, a, you know, Solomon was up here playing the guitar. He was amazing, right? I'm like, wow, he's really blessed. What do you do with that when someone says that? Or whatever you're doing, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you maintain a servant's heart with the blessings that God has given you? When people, it's okay, you know, people can, no, oh, I really enjoyed that. What do you do? I want to give you a quote as we end. This is from Corey Timboom. I'm sure many of you are familiar with her teachings. And when she said this, this quote, it just spoke to me, and it's a lot of wisdom in it, so we'll pull that up, that quote. When people come up to me and give me a compliment, Corey, that was a good talk. Or Corey, you were so brave. I take each remark as it was a flower. At the end of each day, I lift up the bouquet of flowers I have gathered throughout the day and say, Here you are, Lord. It is all yours. So as we go through the rest of this week, as this water festival continues, as we, I just hope we'd leave here just remembering these four simple points. And just remember that it's through faith we can forgive. Remember our actions count. People are watching. Remember we need to have that servant's heart. And there's so many people out there right now with this water festival going on thinking that they've thinking and just that they've they're safe. And they're not. So if Daniel can come up and Aaron and Solomon and uh, we could close in a song and uh, I just encourage you to go out today. There's an awesome opportunity this week especially with this water festival, to share that it is not the washing of water, but the washing of Jesus' blood. So just take this opportunity this week to talk to someone, to explain to them who Jesus is. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity again just to come before you. I thank you for this teaching, Lord. Let us just uh, take these four points, these four lessons from you, Lord, and just store them in our heart. And as we face our different situations this week, let us just look upon this, Lord, to your scripture, Lord, and just your Holy Spirit would speak to us, Lord, that we would never be stumbling to a new believer, Lord, that we'd never be stumbling to anyone, Lord, that we would just really look at that in our lives, Lord. And Lord, we would just have that same heart of forgiveness, Lord, that we'd be able to forgive like you forgive. And we know we can only do this by faith in you and trusting in you, Lord, because we can't we just can't do that on our own, Lord. So we just thank you, Lord. And let, let us just go out knowing our duty is to serve you and remembering how much you've loved us, Lord, that we would just continue 
continue, Lord, just to love you and love others around us, Lord. Lord, we praise you and thank you for this time. Please bless this week for all of us, Lord. Keep us all safe. Keep all of our friends and family safe that aren't here with us today, Lord. Lord, and let's just go out as witnesses to you as we leave these doors. We know that mission field is right here and right outside these steps, Lord. So we love you, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.